baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. When you see Billy Richmond, a former Tiger basketball player uh, turned chicken house entrepreneur, you tell him that Jason and John sent you. We have cried enough mm. today about John Morant and the season-ending injury he sustained in a practice session, training session on Saturday. Whatever it was, he's gone. The uh. brother's gone for the rest of the season. Brother We've talked about the gears that you have to shift if you're the Grizzlies. We don't need to do that right now because here's what I want to talk about. I want to talk about the man that's got all the hopes and the dreams of this town now pinned on him and his program. That man's name is the Godfather. Yeah, no, it's Penny Hardaway. Penny Hardaway, Penny Hardaway the Godfather. Don't do that. He really does, because yeah. let's be real here. They may shock us occasionally, the Grizzlies, and win a game they're not supposed to win, but in terms of making a push, that's probably pretty much dead. And uh, it's not just the Tigers team that you're you know, hoping and praying can put together a good resume or, or make a run come March because they've had to march through their you know, conference, turn, conference uh, season and tournament, winning it and all that. You've got a Tigers team took care of business and the non-con at 11-2, and two, and right now, whether it's the Athletic or Joe Lenardi, two to a four seed, they're ranked number 13 in the country, uh, having moved up a couple of spots yesterday, coming off the close win, albeit close win, two close wins against Tulsa and SMU. It, it's not a hope and a, a, a pray thing as much as it is as Memphis has. the. Although, if you've got your faith, you certainly can believe in that, and I would endorse that. Uh, but it's more about the way Memphis has set itself up. These are real hopes and dreams and aspirations and realistic goals uh, because of how deep this team is that Penny Hardaway has assembled. And yes, uh, one that has not played up to its certainly its standard or up to its capability the last four games now uh, in terms of the level of opponents play that goes all the way back to Vanderbilt includes Austin P uh, and certainly the first two wins here in conference but this is not far fetched is my point you've got something right now in terms of the University of Memphis and we've seen those crowds you know downtown. Uh, and and how fiery they've been when Memphis is playing well in them, and you could certainly uh, ask that SMU team about that in that second half, certainly. And uh, Clemson talked about the atmosphere that you've had. Feels like it's time to go all in on this Memphis team. And a few housekeeping notes for this Memphis team, which uh, resumes action tomorrow against UTSA uh, down at FedEx Forum. Uh, there's been a couple of developments since we last spoke. The yesterday when we had John on here and uh, not sick, we we spoke at length about the Mikey Williams breaking news, hitting the transfer portal. And oh, by the way, I mean the streets are already talking and saying that Mikey Williams is not just, you know, not just in the transfer portal, but trying to get somewhere and play immediately, like mm. now this season. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, and they're they're already talking about local, you know, possible destinations. I, I'll just again because it yeah. could be anybody. Um, I've heard UCF's interested. Uh, in, in getting Mikey now, now here's the thing. So from the, uh, the the guy I was talking to, the we'll put it as the streets. Mm. Um, this is obviously a package deal because J.J. Taylor, we did not mention earlier, but um, it's out that J.J. Taylor, the former high school teammate of Mikey and roommate. Right. Uh, that incident happened, uh, that legal incident happened with J.J. Taylor there. 
Uh, they're both package deal. They're both in the transfer portal. They both want to pick a school together. But my understanding of this, and maybe I'm wrong, but from what I know about college basketball rules, at least right now or where we are, they're always changing, is that Mikey, much like Tomlin, although Tomlin's trend, Mikey hasn't played and so would be eligible potentially if the school admits him right away at whatever school he's going to. And frankly, I think that's why we're here. Because they, oh, I they, see. They, okay. number one, they don't want to wait until next year. And Memphis, even in at least, sort of said, well, we've started the process of getting Mikey admitted and everything else, but he's decided on his own terms. So whether you just had Mikey tweeting a couple of days ago or whatever it was, post on Instagram a couple of days ago about he's looking forward to playing at Memphis, and now we change. Sounds like, and again, from uh, what Jason Munns gathered from the father, they're ready to move right now. They don't want to wait until next season, and Memphis is right now has got him on a holding pattern. And so that's why we're sitting here, mm-hmm. even with Penny Hardaway having backed this kid all the way, I mean, to the hilt. He's had his, his back through all of this. That's why we're sitting where we are because they want the wheels to turn mm-hmm. and turn quickly and get the, as I've put it, the business of Mikey Williams going again because the business of Mikey Williams basketball has stopped. Yes. It has come to a halt. And for what that kid's worth and everything potentially from an NIL standpoint, um, from an endorsement standpoint, they got to get it going again. So I understand not wanting to wait. And I think the reason, again, you're seeing him willing to part ways with a guy who had his back all the way through in Penny Hardaway is because he's trying to play right now. Back to the point on him and J.J. J.J. played in three games this year, albeit sparingly. Hell, I think it was actually like two minutes. Two minutes average. I think it's six minutes total, but he played in three games. And so unlike a Mikey or a Tomlin, I don't believe that J.J., with whatever school they decide to go, is going to be immediately eligible Mm -hmm. to play like potentially it sounds like Mikey is. Again, I could be entirely off on this in terms of whether Mikey can play this season, but it feels like that is why we are here because Mikey Williams wants to get back on the court immediately. His brand has been damaged. His basketball game's been damaged. He doesn't want to wait until next fall Mm -hmm. and put this all off. Wants to get immediately, and he's exploring his options. And perhaps that includes a UCF or, or, you know, somebody that used to be in your conference or whatever else, but uh, I imagine he's going to have some suitors out there that are willing to pay whatever that NIL ticket is. They also didn't take off the the possibility of him coming to Memphis, returning to Memphis. I, I saw that. I saw what that. What do you think of that? Um, I think that's out the door now. I mean, I, again, I, because I think there are going to be suitors for him and possibly in situations where he can come right in and play, get minutes, get him back on a basketball court so Mikey can get back to going viral again. Because in the end, right. Mikey's serving Mikey. Again, he may have to prove to NBA scouts and everybody else he can be a part of something bigger than him, like I've said, be part of a team, because that's what you're going to have to be in the NBA. But there is also a side hustle that's been working pretty darn good for Mikey Williams in terms of you're signing million-dollar Puma yeah. deals that he's got to get back going to. And you don't do that going viral, trying to, trying to put a dunk in a gym by yourself uh, on, on, on Instagram. You do that by getting with a program, getting back on the floor, getting back into the mainstream of basketball where he's been away from for a long time now. So I I get why they're sort of, they're they're tired of waiting. Right? They they want these wheels to move faster and everything else because they felt like and much in their own, you know, for their own doing and Mikey's own doing getting himself into the legal issues. They felt like they've halted sort of his career and they need to get it going again, but um 
my my understanding is that if both of them go somewhere as a package deal. Mikey may indeed be able to play right away. Mm-hmm. May see him on a college basketball court as early as this season. We'll see. Um, but that 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 JJ is again former high school teammate, the guy who's been with the Tigers all season long, both in uh, spirit and in body. Not just like Mikey, who's just been here in spirit. JJ could not play immediately, but I suppose we'll go somewhere, sit out the rest of the year, be with his guy. You know, in the end. We're, we're, you know, we talked about how the Grizzlies, there's a way out. With with Memphis, it's a little bit different in terms of the way I would frame it. It might end up being the best thing for Penny Hardaway in this program because what Mikey Williams had been, and not even being here, just being a, a, a signee, he'd been a distraction. And, yes, Penny Hardaway had been willing to have his back, but he hadn't been here. And, again, much of that on his own accord. The guy signed up, should have been here already. I mean, you, you we can go down to, you know, talk about how – you know, whether those charges ever should have been nine felony charges and how they were reduced to a misdemeanor. But the point is, Mikey Williams put himself in those shoes to keep himself from being here this season. And so my point is that if if you weren't going to get a changed Mikey Williams, and there weren't a whole lot of signs, as John had pointed out to you the whole way with the pictures of Universal, that Mikey Williams was like, you know, really, really willing to change. If you were going to get a distraction in your program next year, right, bro, we need to be past that. And I think Penny Hardaway is. Again, you can have his back, but also understand, too, that, man, with the way that I've dominated the transfer portal the last two off-seasons, the way I go out and pretty much get whatever I want now, and, hell, when I wasn't getting it earlier this summer, I put out the back call, said I don't have enough NIL. Oh, it came because I went and got Jaquan, I went and got Javon Quinterly, and I went and got Jordan Brown. I had the NIL to do it. That's my point is that you're probably you, – there is a good chance you – know, I don't want to say probably today – because, again, Mikey Williams could turn out. I don't want to wish ill on him. I hope he has a, a good basketball career. But there's a good chance, I'd say, you're better off with the formula you have of not relying on four- and five-star talent to come in and be dependent upon immediately to go out and get the experienced guys. Not to mention, you got a guy in Jalen Young who right now is playing behind Javon Quinterly. We're going to see more of because Caleb Mills is out. But he might be a guy, that, again, that you are grooming to take it over next year. And I, I know, Michael Williams combo guard. Jason, he can play some shooting guard, too. Well, you've got guys for those spots, too. And you're gonna, frankly, you're going to have more shots at other guys, Brad, because Penny can go, oh, but reach out and touch in that transfer portal. Hell, we may have already seen some in conference play. He's going to be reaching out and touching just in these first two games. I go out there and talk to me. P.J. Haggerty from Tulsa looks like a, for, a future type. I'm kidding, and that, well, that would be tampering. Sort of. But we've seen Penny Hardaway go get a guy that had a double-double on for Temple last year, and now he's you know in Nicholas Jordan. <laughs> this is how this goes now. And Penny is perfectly positioned to dominate that kind of game, the off-season game where it's, it's, it, it really feels like it's chess. For him, he's getting the guys he wants. He's structuring rosters that are experienced. And you can do that without Mikey Williams. And so, um, listen, uh, again, uh, Jason Munns over the commercial appeal. Talk to Dad. Malin, Malin, I'm not exactly sure, M-A-H-L-O-N, how to pronounce his first name, but Mr. Williams uh, confirmed that his son was in the transfer portal and said, we're going to see what the interest is like and take it from there, just getting a new start. Uh, Williams told the commercial appeal, you know, that's all it is, nothing more than that. We're just doing our due diligence. Like I said, it absolutely has nothing to do with Memphis at all. Just all the circumstances that happened over the last nine months, we just decided we're going to start this all over again. And so I'll tell you, I mean, they're, they're ready to get started now. Um, and I get the itching, not wanting to wait until Memphis next year, because uh, te- I imagine for that family and for that camp, you're losing money by the day. 
with the way the money was coming in at one point on Mikey Williams' career. And yeah. so I get itching and wanting getting wanting to get somewhere immediately, especially if you can play immediately. I also get Memphis not, you know, I, I don't want to say dragging its feet on this, whatever you want to call it. Like, I, I realize, you know, we've learned this committee is standard that – that has to look at Mikey's, uh, you know, what's transpired legally and decide whether or not to. It's standard for any student athlete or whatever that's been through the process. But I don't mind the filtering of it. I really don't. I, I don't. I don't think Memphis needed to rush Mikey Williams in here. We never thought bringing him in with this team once his legal issues were cleared up. We never thought bringing him in with this team was a good idea. And so I'm not going to sit up here and, and 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 look at Memphis and say, "Well, y'all dragged your feet." Mikey should. You already had him enrolled at least in online courses. Y'all could have already let him in here. I mean, maybe Penny Hardaway was so close to Mikey that. You know, there, there's a part of him, we'll, we'll see, I don't think he's spoken to it directly, that's disappointed that the process has possibly cost him a player for the future. But whether he's disappointed today or not, what we know about Penny and what he darn sure knows is he can change course quickly. And again, he did it with this roster that at one time looked like it was going to be dependent upon Mikey Williams, and he completely flips the script and goes and gets, you know, a completely basically a new backcourt Hell, new front court, everything else. And so, uh, again, I, I can't imagine he's going to be two down for too long. You grant this kid's release. You say this. And I had some other – real quick, John and I touched on this. Like, what was the cost for Memphis? What did they lose in this? In the sense that you 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 backed this guy, uh, you signed him up, you enrolled him in classes, and, and is there one? And there was a little we, – we both said, not much. I mean, yeah. again, in players' eyes or whatever else, or future prospects – Penny Hardaway's case is that he had Mikey Williams back all the way through. In fact, I had his back till he walked mm-hmm. away from me and went to another school. So, but but others have said, well, what if he goes to another school and shines, and then and then and he and he didn't he didn't do it at Memphis, and you've lost him, man. My, Mikey Williams had every opportunity to do that here at Memphis. That that's not Penny Hard. That's not on Penny Hardaway, right? And 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 I don't think there's any cost whatsoever. Even if Mikey Williams goes somewhere and is successful, there, there's a bunch of different ways. And Penny has learned this now through five years of college basketball coach to skin that cat, to go out and get a different kind of team. And um, so, so, so again, I, I, I don't blame anybody here. And, in fact, I think it's, it, it, it's probably, especially with the way Penny is structuring his roster, it's probably best for all parties going. Because, again, you didn't know if you were going to get a change to Mikey Williams. You might get a Mikey Williams who's demanding, I play 30, 31 minutes next year, even though I'm young, haven't played any college basketball, on this veteran team you've got, Penny, because – Penny, I need my brand to go back up. You avoid all that. Uh, Michael Williams looks like he may very well be a good basketball player, but uh, also looks like there was a great potential for headache uh, should he come. Again, I'm not labeling Mikey Williams a headache today and saying, yeah, they do. This is great. No, it could have it worked out, but I could also see a, a scenario where it would not have. So I'm not crying about Mikey Williams being in the transfer portal or if he's playing for and playing well for another school uh, even as early as this season. We shall see. Like I said, our little scuttle about UCF. But I imagine there's going to be a list, if there isn't already one, of schools that are interested in uh, Mikey Williams coming over. So we'll see what happens with that. Penny Hardaway did speak on some other issues at his uh, – radio show last night, uh, and we're going to talk to Trista Crick here uh, in a couple of minutes, talk some Memphis Grizzlies, the John Moran injury. We'll get back into that story with her uh, bottom of the hour or so. But last night, Penny uh, did say a couple of things that were interesting. Uh, named Javon Quinterly, and it feels like rightly so, his player of the week. Javon Quinterly basically hitting two three-pointers from the same spot uh, to be games that you didn't want to be nearly as close as to win games that you didn't want to be nearly as close as they were. But in the end, 
uh, especially when you look at FAU sitting there with one conference loss already to Charlotte, you're you are you are fine sitting at two and O in conference, and him hitting those shots doesn't matter how you want them because uh, selection committee is only going to care that you did when this thing's over. Penny said that he believes. Here's the quote that he told uh, Commercial Field, Daily Memphis, and both had anybody who was at the uh, the radio show last night heard. With it being my sixth year, I do understand if you want to win this conference, you can't have more than two losses. So he's sort of along, Penny is sort of along the lines of where John, you know, sort of is. And John, I guess, related it more towards seeding and how you can get the highest seed and how Memphis, you know, one or two losses here. You really, you don't want to be more. I'd been more of, well, if you're 15 and three, Penny's never been better than 13 and five. Uh, in conference play, so uh, you know my case was if you're 15 and three in this league, especially with FAU already having one conference loss, that can still be enough to to do both to win the conference and get you the seating. But p- clearly, Penny is working with a much higher sort of goal and expectation in terms of saying, "Yeah, man, you can't have more than two losses in this conference if you're going to win it." Um, he's right that Houston was 17 and one last year. You know, in winning the regular season conference title, we know Memphis came back and got them in the conference tournament. But they did the the, the Cougars go seventeen and one. I think we we mentioned the one conference loss, one to Memphis last year was to Temple. Uh, they swept Memphis in the regular season. But uh, if you compare it to what Houston did last season, I suppose the last couple of seasons, you can't lose many more than two. Uh, I like that he's shooting. That he feels like that level of urgency is high. He also addressed too that we can't keep. Uh, as Mark Crispin or uh, uh, Crispin from ESPN put it during the broadcast the other day, can't keep filling teams out and playing these close games or playing down to the level of talent. We have to start controlling these games earlier. That's a no-brainer. I mean, it goes without saying, um, but clearly it's something that the Tigers, you know, whether you, you get a Javon Quinley who's not, at least lately, been super engaged or hasn't played his best early, but then late comes on. David, you know, you, there's still phases offensively where it's too much ISO, it's too much one-on-one and taking turns. We've seen two different Memphises offensively. One where the ball's flowing and passing, and that's the one you you like and you love and feels like the best version, but also one where, again, it's taking turns time. And they uh, was sort of that after you had built the lead against SMU and coming back. So there's still another level to get to offensively, and especially as you have the subtraction of Caleb Mills, who was some a real glue guy in that offense, and the addition of Naquan Tomlin, who you're still trying to get it figured out with. You saw him foul out of the game against SMU. You're still trying to get that figured out. And so there's a there is certainly there may be another couple of tiers, another couple of levels to go up offensively. But uh, this Memphis team certainly in prime position, and in the wake of this John Morant news out for the season. Uh, I'll go back to what we said to start this segment off. It feels like they are sort of carrying all of our hopes and dreams, certainly from a Memphis basketball standpoint. We were just celebrating, Brad, uh, Hoop City double on Sunday, getting both wins, right? Uh, Tigers beat SMU. Grizzlies beat the the Suns. We're going crazy. hoops. Well, one of us, one half of that just died. It's kind of like having two children. One of those entities is dead. It's sort of like having season. it's sort of like having two children where one if if one of them's unhappy then we're all sort of unhappy, right? In this case, we got an unhappy child. So now everything and now in this case I guess we can do this cuz it's sports, but like man, I hope Memphis makes a hell of a need run a deep here. Run come March, we we need we need a sweet need 16 to go or April. more. We need more. Because the exciting moments uh, the majority of them in terms of our immediate basketball future are going to have Here's to come from the Memphis Tigers. They guys. can do it too is the other good part. But that's the point that's the point I was making. It's like we're not this they is not, can do it. You're not out you're on, right. a, on a on a thin limb here no. praying and hoping 
that Penny can put something Doable. together. Or, or where we've been. We've been a few years ago. Get this season turned around. Remember that a few years ago yeah. with Penny Arnold, the Tulsa loss and everything else? You're, you're in prime position. And so it feels like a real easy seat, a real easy wagon to jump onto here, yeah. particularly, again, with the, uh, with the Grizzlies down bad at this point. For years, we, we've always debated the question, is it easier to win an NBA title or an NCAA title? And we've gotten proof in 2007, 2008, we got proof that you could probably get closer to winning a championship in basketball in this town than you can with the NBA team. Yeah, it's just you got to win series in the NBA, man. It's tough. You got to do it over seven games. You got to have health. It's six, <laughs> We've it's, learned that. It's, it's six games yeah. in the NCAA tournament. And if you've got the right road, which Memphis has not had the benefit of having the last couple of years, although could make a case that last year they got the break they needed. Fairly mm-hmm. Dickinson wins. You just you couldn't take care of your business Missed. against FAU. That said, you talk about two, three, four seeds. That road gets much clearer. And yeah, yeah man, you're back. I mean, you're there again. We you have to go back through Tubby, yep. through all the passenger years to get to a Memphis team. Back to Cal. What was it 0809 yeah. uh, in the 0708 year before that was ranked this high. That you could feel this good about this late in the season. Yeah. So we're we're in a we're not we're not in a place of hope, really. We're in, we're in a place of if this team hits expectation, right. it should at least be making a second weekend run, something that we haven't yeah. felt around here in a long time, and maybe more in a college basketball landscape where good teams have been dropping left and right. There ain't much consistency. Go ask FAU on a night to night basis in college basketball. Memphis's experience has helped put them in a position where they've shown a little more consistency than most. And so, again, if you can continue to show it through these next 16 in conference play, then we can all easily jump on to this, this Memphis Tigers bandwagon and hopefully get a nice uh, uh, ride, rewarding ride out of it, out of that ride. Yeah. So, um, we're going to talk about the Grizzlies ride. Uh, the rest of the way with Trista Crick. We'll do that when we come back. Of course, host of Bet MGM tonight. We'll talk some Grizzlies with her, the John Morant injury. Maybe she can lift us up, see what she thinks about our plan for next season, flipping the pick, letting off some of these veterans, playing the younger guys, and the NBA at large. Probably talk some uh, some college football with Trista Crick as well. We'll do that when we get back. You're listening right now to Jason and John. 19- Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. FM, ESPN. Trista Crick is host of BetMGM Tonight and a heat check with Trista Crick NBA podcast on the Odyssey Network. Blessed to have her join us every Tuesday. You can follow her on X, formerly Twitter, at Trista underscore Crick. And it's funny, Trista, the last time I talked to you solo dolo, and that's without John Martin in the building. I can't remember which trip he was on, Aruba, Vegas. They all run together. It was, I was asking you, can you pick us up? Because we just learned that Marcus Smart and Luke Kennard, on top of Jaws' suspensions, uh, they were going to be out for an extended amount of time. Now, we come to you again looking to pick us up, but we're much lower when you get the news that John Morant, after looking pretty good against the Lakers, Grizzlies had a good weekend, Trista, is out for the season uh, due to, what, season-ending shoulder surgery that he's got to have after he Hurt it in a training session on Saturday. 
I don't know if you got the kind of strength we need to pick us up today. I tell you what, man, this is it's a sad day for not just Memphis, not just radio, but all NBA. Fans. I'm so glad you said that. I am. It's, I, I, so I made that point all day, and you're on the outside looking y'all. in. I'm so glad you made that point. You're so right. So I was at the sports book last night doing the national championship, and before the news came down, there was a group of guys who were sitting in, you know, the lounge seats inside the sports book, and just independently, they spent about 15 minutes discussing how much they were excited for Jaw's return, how much they lo- love Jaw. John Moran's ability to excite the youth yep. is unparalleled. And we had to break the news to these fine gentlemen that Jaw was having season-ending season surgery, mm. and they looked absolutely shook. And so it's more than just Memphis. It's more than so right. you know, just people in media. There's people from all around the world that they are interested in almost a jaw and then everybody below that, right? And so we love Aunt Edwards. We love guys like Chet and Victor Weminyama and these big men that are, you know, gracing us with all of the things that they can do. But a guy that size with that much ferocity on the court, that much brazen, um, I guess, recklessness in a good way. They can excite us on any given night. And I always say, on a Tuesday in January, there is no better show on the hardwood than Jaw. And so it's, it's a tough day for basketball. We were so excited to get him back. Yep. And, and these gentlemen, you could tell that the, it drained, there was something that drained out of their face when that happened. So what do you say in terms of moving forward? You say, like, hopefully he has a complete recovery right. and is back better than other ever. And maybe this is good for his – hopefully this is good for his mental state. He has more time to sit and grow and train. It's hard, though. It's going to be a test, right? I don't know if anybody – one of you guys, either Brad or, or you, Jason, have gone through you know, a significant injury – but that tests you, man. You go into a state of like, why me? You know, why is this happening right now? How do I, you know, get this sorted? So he's going to be, if, when he comes out the other side, he's going to be even more mentally strong than we've ever seen him before. Um, so I guess that's the good thing yeah. is that there's just more time for looking inward and fixing not things that were necessarily broken, but places that maybe needed to still grow. So that's that. I don't know what the draft is going to be like, but you're probably getting a top 10 pick. What do you do? Do you want to trade for somebody like Terry Rozier or DeJounte Murray? Maybe that's what you try to do in the interim to keep the fans engaged. But you're right. I think it's time for us to focus on Memphis College basketball, 13th in the country. <laughs> that's right. And, uh, and, and hope that I don't know what you do with Marcus Smart, man. Like, I know. is he just there? Well, would you trade him? That's to what a I contender? Because I'm sure I'm, I'm glad he you went there. I'm gl- I'm so glad you went there because I want to. I want to know what you think of the, uh, of this. That that's what it feels like. It does provide clarity in some form 
because you know the the odds that you were going to first get in the play in and then make a real push and be a contender and do something like the Heat did were still pretty low. I mean, you're the 30th ranked offense in the NBA, and that included what nine games with Ja on the floor. And so the idea that you're going to make this miraculous Cinderella run was already a far fetched one. That was one we were still buying into, and one after this weekend you beat the Lakers in Phoenix. We were really wanting to talk ourselves into, but but that's over. And I, and what I when I say clarity, I say in the sense that to your point. I would pull it because it is extremely necessary that whether it's for the future next season, Trista, or as a trade piece, that you don't grind Marcus Smart, you know, who's been, what, nine seasons, all of them, that you don't drive him into the ground trying to make some run at a playoffs that you're, or a play-in that you're never going to get to, even, even when it comes to Bain and Jaron. And, and I hate to use the word tank because those guys don't want to hear it, but you've got to let off, it feels like, Trista, if you want to, back to the point, preserve the asset that is Marcus Smart, whether as a trade piece or going forward, you've got to let off a little bit and play your G.G. Jackson, your LaRavia's, your Zaire's, don't you? I mean, to me, if you are going to be a Golden State that bounces back from the clay injury, right, regroups and wins a title, or a Denver, it's the two examples we've used, and they've been recent examples that bounce back from Jamal's injury, then you've got to sort of fortify, you know, look at your assets, uh, maximize them to the extent that even on the court might be pulling guys off like Marcus Smart, and then regrouping to try to make a quick bounce back for next year. I mean, that's that's what it feels like. Best case scenario, but well, I should say best plan at this point is. What do you think? I wouldn't play Marcus Smart into the ground trying to make a plan at this point. Would you? Yeah, I think you have to think about this team in terms of what their needs are long term, right? And we know that right now the role players aren't there. Right. They're not there to contribute in a meaningful way to a team that really competes at a high level. So will those minutes help them and and get them to a place where they develop? I think it could. I love Taylor Jenkins. I think he's a really good coach. And you need time for those guys to almost marinate in the NBA speed, right? So I think you're right. Gigi Jackson, Jake LaRavia, those guys need more time in an NBA setting, like meaningful minutes, not yeah. like, oh, we're spelling Marcus Smart right now or we're spelling Jaron. If there's any dings or bruises to anybody, so say, God forbid, Jaron has to be out a week. Now you say to yourself, maybe he's out two weeks. Yep. Maybe you just want to extend the life of, of those assets. But let's be real. Marcus Smart is a clunky fit on this team. He was... He was there to try to figure out a way to get some of the defense and oh, tenacity that, that you lost in Dylan Brooks. But in terms of a small guy to play, another small guard to play along two other you know, small guards, whether you Not want to the talk best about fit. wingspan. Which, yeah. Right. It, those three guards I don't think necessarily work together. And you, know, you knew that you needed shooting. And Marcus Smart's not a great three-point shooter off the bounce or catch-and-shoot. So maybe you want to try to, say, move Marcus Smart for, I don't know, a guy like Pascal Siakam. Mm. I don't know that that works. I don't know if that's a three-team. Maybe you want to try to fortify more depth and role players, try to get guys that are more wing wing depth. Maybe that's somebody in a three-team trade to try to go after a guy like Dorian Finney-Smith or Royce O'Neal to try to round out the roster, re- eliminate redundancies, and find ways to maximize just 
his abilities, right? Yep. And and Desmond's so crucial to this team because he's such a hell of a shooter. Uh, he can defend lights out, even though he's got a, a low wing, you know, negative wingspan. So, Ja, Bane, and Jaron are the only players right now that I would preserve that core. Right. And everyone else, you're looking to yourself and saying, how do I maximize? those three together next year a thousand percent and and steven adams i would include in that because i don't you know i don't i don't i don't have much trust in him on the final year of his deal coming back off this injury it's basically kept him out a year and a half or whatever it is i mean he I, I, to your point i'd have him right up there with marcus smart in terms of possible assets that i can go out and use to regroup and to the, to that point about playing the young guys trista you know, with that and the GGs and LaRavias and the Z, it's going to come some losses. And what you're going to do is fortify your pick or give you, you know, again, yeah. we go back to that word nobody wants to hear. But in, and in doing that, that becomes a better asset. You know what I'm saying, Trista? That maybe you package up with a, one of these players or a couple of them, other team, rather than going and getting some young guy, Ron Holland, or I mentioned it to Brad, I can't pronounce half the names that are in the mock draft right now. Rather than doing that, you use the pick in a player, uh, a pick that's you know got some real worth. Because remember, you don't have that Golden State first rounder anymore. Use that with Boston. So you know you increase the 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 value of the asset in playing these younger guys. And oh, by the way, losing you know fortifying your position whether it's going to be five or six. Maybe that draft pick is you know it's attractive to someone else. And so I just think that's the way to go. It may be unrealistic to think it's going to be the type of bounce back. For them, it was championships of Golden State or, or Denver. But you were just the two seed for two years in a row, and you could certainly th- uh, see a path. If you do it like we're talking about, I think, where it's at least bounce back to contender with a healthy three that you mentioned, the core, and a better group of four, five, six, seven guys around them. So, well, really, it's I mean, it's to me, it's just having a strong seven or eight. I mean, we saw that from Denver last year. Um, pre- yeah. I, I, pre- yeah, go ahead. And I think, really quickly, I think the thing that – people need to understand too like we know me you and and the fans know draft is weak right yes, we know that this is a down weak. draft yes but but what you can also say is there's always you know dumb people in front offices that believe that they can see the world better than you can and so they're going to want those picks maybe to repurpose them for another trade before the draft, right? Like, yep. so you could trade at the deadline that pick, yep. and then that team could then trade that pick too, right? So I think that there's the ability to finesse a team that thinks they're smarter than other other people, like a Troy Weaver in Detroit. They've got a lot of redundant assets there too that are young. I don't know who you would want or how, how that works because mm-hmm. I'm a lot of time thinking about it, but there are a lot of teams that are – in the dumps, or teams on the come up too, right? Like an Orlando. I'm not saying what they're do- doing is dumb, but they have made some puzzling, head scratching decisions in terms of all the guards that they have that are long, yep. six seven, six eight. You also talk about backup guards like a Markel Fultz or a Cole Anthony. There's a lot of guards on that team that they're going to have to get rid of some, and so eventually you're going to need backups to replace what you had in Tyus. So I think that there's a, a few teams around the league that would be interested in that top 10 pick, even though this draft is down. Yeah, no, I'm, with, I'm with you. We're talking, of course, to Trista Crick, host of BetMGM Tonight and the Heat Check NBA podcast on the Odyssey Network. Make sure you are tuned in. 
Um, and I really, I, I, I love the point that you made about the NBA missing Jawa. I get, so, we get so selfish in terms of having him and the feelings that we had for the. I was telling Brad those nine games. I mean, you had the game winner in New Orleans. You had the, you had the dance that kind of went, went viral. But we're talking about Jaw, the dunk on or around Wimby, whatever you want to call it. Like that, that it, we get so selfish about how. Oh man, this feels different. This is exciting that we forget that the NBA is watching this guy too, and it needs him. Uh, and it's, it's, it's trying to get John Morant back to a point where. He is a, a potential American face of the league again. So I love the, the point that you made today that it's not just a sad day in Memphis. It's a sad day for all of the NBA. I absolutely think, love them. I absolutely love it. Think about this, too. Think about this, too, Jason. Like, so Ja played nine games. Nine. And how many, how many marquee viral moments did he give us? Four? At, at least. At least four. At least. Yeah, at, at least. least. Like, he's Who's so, he's so needed. That? No, you're right. You're right. And I don't, you know. It's the it factor. It's whatever you, he is. He's the he's the one that the young folks are looking at. And I, you know, there are others in the league that you can say, well, look at this guy too. He's pretty good. But you, it's not the same draw for those kids. And hell, for many of us adults, we can feel that it thing too. And so, um, yeah, it's a tough day. And I, and I'm glad you made the point because I had not. In three hours of talking, they made the point that this is a real loss for the NBA as well. I got to ask you about the NFL slate this weekend, though, just in terms of the game that you are most anticipating the game that you are most inside you know excited to get in front of your tv and watch unfold or that you've got the most invested in just the one that you're looking forward to most in terms of the nfl weekend i think the game that i'm i'm really excited to see play out is that kansas city miami game the numbers three and a half it's actually locked out right but you talk about the dolphins have been banged up and Jalen Waddle looks like he's going to give it a go. Tyreek Hill is, is banged up. You lose Bradley Chubb to an ACL injury. You lost Jalen Phillips on the defensive side as well. Uh, to an, You've got uh, Javon Holland, the safety, who came back from a calf injury. So he's kind of getting back healthy. And so on and off, the offensive line has been banged up. But we know what the Dolphins can do when they're as potent offensively as they can be. Also, Raheem Mostert was banged up, too. I think he might be back. Devon Achan missed time. So lots of injuries for this Dolphins team. But they're they're just electrifying on uh, and off, like offense and defensively when they come and bring pressure. So they're really fun. And then the Chiefs, obviously the Super Bowl champs, but awesome piece, too, right? Like, is does Patrick Mahomes have enough in terms of, guys to catch the ball i don't know i think you have to just yeah i think you just have to give pacheco the ball and and then try to go play action with kelsey and and i think if i know that and you know that then probably the dolphins know that very intriguing matchup arrowhead is going to be jumping let's let's be honest taylor swift's going to be there kelsey gear so i think that one's like really fascinating to me just because there's a lot of star power there i think then then the winner goes to probably play the Bills in Buffalo, a game that I'm going to try to go to in wow. person. Yeah, that one will be really fun. And then also Rams-Lions. You talk about the return Stafford. of Matthew Stafford yep. back to Ford Field. You know, obviously, and you've got uh, Jerry Goff, too. So those quarterbacks swapped, and now they face each other in the playoffs, and they're both really good. I think the the, the Rams in general are an interesting team because they're 20-1 to 1 to win and the NFC, I think, is gettable. I think you have four or five teams that could come out of there. You've got Philly, you've got Dallas, you've got L.A., you've got Detroit, and that's that's kind of that. Obviously, the Niners, too. So, 
I think that one has a lot of intrigue for storylines, but also the football. Defensively, Detroit in the secondary is awful. So if you play player props, I love Puka Nakua. I love Cooper Cup. I love Kyron Williams. And then obviously Amon Ross St. Brown has been awesome. Hopefully Sam Laporta comes back. He got injured last game. So, yeah, those are my favorite two in terms of the AFC and the NFC. Trista, love how your mind works. Love your energy, and thank you so much for for lifting us, lifting us up on this on this somber, otherwise somber Tuesday. Thank you, Trista. Hey, hey, Memphis, Memphis, I love you. Keep your head up. We will, we will do our best. She is Trista Crick. Thanks, Trista. Host of BetMGM tonight and the Heat Check with Trista Crick. It's the NBA podcast on the Odyssey Network. You should be tuned in. It's a great podcast. You'll absolutely love it, uh, especially if you love the mind, Trista, the way she thinks, uh, like I do most of the time. Usually we're on the on the same set. we got to wrap it up. We'll do that when we come back. You're listening to Jason John, 929 FM ESPN. And it changed my life. That is no exaggeration whatsoever. My wife and I are in a much better situation now. It's all thanks to Jennifer Carstensen, her work, and her team. You can be next, but you got to make the call, 901 625 5,200 to Live Love Memphis, Live Love Nash, and Live Love DeSoto teams at the real estate agency. Crazy day. Didn't think, uh, at least as early as last night, we'd be talking about season ender for the Grizzlies, John Morant's injury. That's tough, but there's a way through, as we've spent the last three hours talking about. Uh, national champion Mark Giannato and Jeffrey, I'm sure we'll talk more about it. Uh, thank you to our guests, Jessica Benson, Trista Creek. Brad, I appreciate you. It was you. fun. It was fun. Uh, I mean, we did the best we could yeah. with the circumstances of no, John Morant. No question. Mike Vrabel, so long. Hopefully I see you again. Yeah. Uh, and we're all sending our love and hugs to you John You really Martin. want him in Chicago. Uh, I'll I, take I, him. I, Fire I, Matt yeah. Eberflus today to go get him. Yeah. Fire Matt Eberflus today to go get Mike Vrabel. But I imagine he's going to be in high <laughs> demand. We shall see what happens with Mike Vrabel. I think he's going to be coaching immediately. Yep. Uh, send your love and hugs to John Martin. Hopefully we'll have him back and uh, not so under the weather tomorrow. Uh, for John, for Brad, I am Jason. We're going. Hey, everyone. Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us, and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 